0: Hi friends, welcome to the Kansas City MomCast, a place to learn, connect, and grow in a relevant and intentional way. We're your hosts, Sarah and Megan. Join us as we interview experts in the field and hear from local moms just like you. This is a podcast for Kansas City moms by Kansas City moms. We know that your time is precious and we're grateful you've chosen to spend some of it with us. Thank you for being a part of the Kansas City Mom Collective community. Hi, friends. Today, we're visiting with Dr. Jessica Parrott, a board-certified and fellowship-trained maternal fetal medicine physician with HCA Midwest Health. We will be talking all things pregnancy age 35 and beyond. The age median for having babies has increased over the years, and our conversation today aims to educate our listeners on this topic. Personally, I know I learned a ton that I did not know before this interview. Dr. Parrott has specialized training in obstetrics and experience caring for women who may have complicated or high risk pregnancies. She's an active member with the Society for Maternal Fetal Medicine, the American Institute of Ultrasound and Medicine, and a fellow with the American College of Obstetricians and Gynecologists. And with that, let's get started with our interview. Dr. Parrott, welcome to Kansas City MomCast. How are you?
1: I'm good. How are you?
0: We are just dandy. We are excited for this topic today um, as it is becoming more and more relevant um, as lots of women are waiting to have kids until later. So we're discussing childbirth and pregnancy after 35. So what are the risk factors that a woman should consider when getting pregnant after 35?
1: When women get pregnant after 35, One of the biggest risk factors is increased risk of genetic abnormalities or chromosome abnormalities. So the one we most commonly think about or hear about is down syndrome. Um, the reason for this is women are born with a certain number of eggs and those eggs age with us. So the older we are, the older those eggs are. And so then when it comes time to fertilize an egg and form a baby, there's increased risk that problems could go awry during all of the very meticulous organized events that have to happen for a baby. to be born.
0: Sure. Sure. So what, what is kind of magical about the number 35 or is this based on the, or does this vary based on the mother's health and circumstances?
1: The 35 number comes from the fact that, um, At age 35, the risk for Down syndrome becomes high enough that we usually recommend additional screening and evaluation. Um, So that's where they kind of just picked that 35 based off of the risk factor for Down, the risk for Down syndrome at that age.
2: Got it. Okay,
1: kind of the cutoff that they picked.
2: Sure. So, uh, in that note, you know. I'm a mom who's pregnant at 39 right now. Um, and I was surprised by the amount of testing that I was offered because I had my other three babies before 35. Um, so can you talk about some of those tests, the genetic tests that are offered? You know, I know there's the one at the beginning, but then throughout the pregnancy, there's a lot of different options.
1: Mm-hmm. So the some of the testing that we offer, the ultrasounds that we offer, are because of the other risks associated with an older maternal age. So there's increased risk of having a smaller baby, increased risk of having blood pressure problems or blood sugar problems later on in the pregnancy, increased risk of preterm birth and increased risk of stillbirth. So the ultrasound follow-up that we typically recommend is we usually do a growth ultrasound in the third trimester because of that increased risk of having a smaller baby. And even though we measure the the how big your stomach is growing and all, all that kind of stuff that's still not as accurate as getting an ultrasound measurement and then because of the increased risk of stillbirth we often recommend that we do weekly ultrasounds in the last month or so of pregnancy to make sure that that placenta is still doing its job that there's a good amount of fluid around baby and that everything looks good with baby
0: sure so I mean, in your experience, do do most women choose to do all that testing? Is it required? Um, or why would a mom maybe necessarily choose to do it or to not do it?
1: Um, in my experience, I've never had a mom not choose to do the ultrasounds.
0: Okay. Um,
1: I don't think any mom ever complains about getting to see their baby. <laughs> I
0: was going to say, I feel like that's a perk.
1: Yeah. Um, I think more often I get asked, well, can we do it earlier?
2: Yeah, right. <laughs> sure, sure. Can we
1: see more often? The genetic screening that we offer, so the non-invasive prenatal screening or blood tests that we offer to screen for Down syndrome, um, I think that that is more where we see um, women refuse sometimes. Mm -hmm. So the most often reason that I get told why someone does not want the genetic screening is because... They tell me that, well, I'm not going to do anything with that information. I'm going to love my baby regardless. Sure. So I don't need to know that information. Occasionally, a mom will tell me that the reason they don't want to do it is because that with that knowledge will become, will come an extra layer of anxiety that they Mm -hmm. don't want to worry about during the pregnancy. Sure. Um, So I think that for some people, that is also a component is just that, extra anxiety if it were to come back positive for down syndrome. Um, what I typically do tell patients to take into account when they're considering whether or not to do it is it would change our management of the pregnancy if that genetic screening was positive.
0: Okay. That's yeah, that's really good to know for sure. Um, do you, oh no, you're fine. Um, were you saying anything else about that?
1: I was just going to say that the I don't think a lot of people realize that that information changes how we would manage the pregnancy because that risk of stillbirth is even higher. If there's something genetically abnormal, the risk of having a smaller baby is higher. So there's all these extra ultrasounds and monitoring that we do.
0: Yeah, that's that's such great information, thank you. Do Dr. Parrott, do any of these concerns change if it's an older mom's first baby or a subsequent pregnancy or is it kind of all in the same boat just based on a mom's age?
1: I would say the only risk that I would say is a little bit different is the risk of having blood pressure problems or preeclampsia later on in the pregnancy. Um, your risk at any age is higher if it's your first first baby. Okay. Um, but then you have even higher risk if you're over the age of 35. So that risk would be a little bit higher if it was your first baby versus a subsequent baby, but otherwise it's pretty much the same.
0: Okay. Okay. Have you, in your practice, have you seen a shift in the average age that women are choosing to have babies? And if so, how has that affected the care that you give?
1: Um, I think the shift happened probably before I was in practice. Um, So I'm only out a few years. And I would say that probably that big shift in from like early 20s to mid 20s to now being more 30s and even some 40s Mm
2: -hmm.
1: happened more while I was in my training than in just the last few years. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Uh, But it doesn't... Really change the care that I give, probably because I'm more in a high risk setting, anyways. Sure. So everyone who comes to see me gets lots of ultrasounds. <laughs> yep.
2: Yeah. So, if you have women that are looking at maybe having their first baby after 35, um, is it to the is the risk high enough that you advise them to reconsider, or are there ways that we can you know, basically do our best medically to have, you know, babies after 35?
1: Um, I would never tell a woman to reconsider having children just because they were over the age of 35. Even with all of these risks, I would say that the large number of pregnancies that occur over 35 result in a healthy, normal, full-term baby.
0: Sure. Um yeah.
1: I think probably the biggest thing is if you are considering having a baby over the age of 35, the best thing you could do is make sure that you are in good health before going mm, into
0: that. That's um, good.
1: So, you know, making sure that your normal weight and mm-hmm. don't have, if you have things like diabetes or high blood pressure, that all of those things are under the best control you can have them in before getting pregnant. Um, So just kind of maximizing your chances of having a healthy pregnancy.
2: Yeah. Okay. And then from a, you know, just an additional question from postpartum perspective, you know, women who are recovering, you know, from labor and delivery after 35 versus maybe a 25 year old, um, what are the differences you see there? That's a good
1: question. Um, I don't know that I've ever noticed specific differences. I would say that and this is more even coming from my own experience. Um I just had a baby, I squeezed my last baby in right under before 35. <laughs> uh, by like a couple months. Uh, <laughs> it still counts,
2: right? Oh yeah.
1: It does still count. It does still count. Just like we consider you advanced maternal age if you turn 35 while you're pregnant so even if you were 34 when you got pregnant Mm. if you turn 35 before you deliver we still treat you as if you're 35 um (laughs) but yeah we're we're sometimes i know right (laughs) Uh, i always start off by saying so we have some very unkind words that we call women who are 35 i don't know no no kidding (laughs) terrible i apologize for those (laughs) <laughs> um, but even for myself, the difference between when I was in my late twenties, having a baby to, you know, 34, having a baby, I think the biggest difference is it takes you a lot longer to snap back. Yeah. Um, I feel like the fatigue affects you a lot more mm-hmm. and the lack of sleep affects you a lot more. Yeah. You just don't have as much energy as you did when you were in your twenties. Yep. Um, So that's probably the biggest thing. So not so much like medical and physical and that kind of stuff, but I think just. Day to day. Yeah. You're you're, you're not 25. What? What? It's terrible. I think that's probably the biggest thing is the, the lack of sleep definitely affects you a lot more and you just don't have that energy you used to.
0: Yeah. No, that, that, that makes, unfortunately, that makes a lot of sense. Um, Okay. Dr. Barrett, can you think of anything else that would be good for a mom to discuss with her provider before
1: deciding to get pregnant Um,
0: at the the old age of
1: 35? and And this isn't even so much specific to 30 being over 35. I think one thing that a lot of women overlook, regardless of your age is there's lots of benefits to letting your doctor know that you're considering getting Mm. pregnant before actually getting pregnant. Yes. Um, Because there are things that ideally we would like to talk to you about, like making sure you're taking a prenatal vitamin with folic acid before getting pregnant. Sure. That you're in good health that if you have any medical problems that they're well-controlled so that you can have the best outcomes for your pregnancy that you possibly can. And then there's other things like there's some testing that we offer anybody, something called carrier screening, because there's certain types of diseases that you have to get an abnormal copy of a gene from both your mom and dad to have the disease. Hmm. But Any one of us could be a carrier for it, meaning we have one abnormal copy. So cystic fibrosis or sickle cell anemia are the examples I usually use because most people know of those. Sure. Um, But like for a Caucasian woman, one in 25 of us are walking around as carriers for cystic fibrosis. So if both me and my husband were a carrier for cystic fibrosis, there's a 25% chance that my child could be affected. Hmm. Okay. Knowing that before you get pregnant, especially since there are some with certain types of diseases or for certain families, they may choose that that's too much of a risk for them. Yeah. That could change their opinion. So while that's not specific to being 35, it's definitely something that I think women should consider and think about before they get pregnant.
0: So, okay. So you may, you may have said this. So let's say I have a risk, let's say, and my husband and I, we have a risk for cystic fibrosis because of genes. Is that risk the same before 35? Is after 35? Yes. Okay. 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 Yep. Interesting. It doesn't,
1: it doesn't change. Okay. I
0: didn't know if it's that like 20, spiked it would
1: up. Be 25% with any pregnancy that you had. Okay. That could have both abnormal copies and actually have the disease.
2: Okay. That's great. Okay, I have one last question. Um both from personal experience, um back to kind of the genetic testing, we did the NIPT test, right? At uh-huh. like 10 weeks. Yeah. Um in some of those tests and then I feel like we've been offered many more. Um <laughs> that I didn't even know existed or maybe they didn't exist 10 years ago when I had my first, but, um, some of those are very accurate. Um, but there has been some news I feel like lately in the last year of some of, for some of the conditions, they're more diagnostic. So it's a, you know, one in X number of chance, which I'm sure is where some of the women, you know, decline because of the anxiety. Mm -hmm. Um, so can you talk about like the, purpose of some of those diagnostic tests that maybe don't predict with certainty? And then is there lots of follow-up you can do to confirm? Mm
1: -hmm. So any of the blood tests that you were offered are all screening tests. The only two diagnostic tests I can do on your pregnancy and on your baby um, is via something called chorionic villi sampling. So that's typically done in the first trimester. And that's where we take a sample from the placenta Mm -hmm. and send it for testing or through an amniocentesis, which is where the needle goes in the belly and we draw off fluid from around baby because just like we slough off skin cells. Mm -hmm. So does baby, ours are dead because they've been exposed to the air and you know that's what protects us. But in utero, babies, skin is not quite like ours in those cells that are sloughed off or still alive. So we're able to collect those baby cells from the fluid around baby and, um, actually do diagnostic testing on baby cells. Mm-hmm. So those are the only two diagnose, truly diagnostic testing where I can give you a confident, accurate answer as to whether or not your baby has a certain condition. Mm-hmm. Um, least within the limits of our current ability to test for things. Um, The blood tests are all screening. Our best one that we have is the NIPT or non-invasive prenatal testing. And what that does is it's actually looking at fragments of DNA that get released from the placenta out into your bloodstream. So it's Hmm. actually kind of an interesting technology. Yeah, it's
2: amazing. That's really cool
1: it's looking at these fragments of DNA and typically what it's looking at is it's looking at chromosomes 21, 13, and 18, mm-hmm. having an extra copy of, so three instead of two copies of any of those causes, Are they're the three most common, for the most part, chromosome abnormalities. Chromosome 21, having three copies of that, that's what causes Down syndrome. Okay. The accuracy of that, so if it comes back positive, the chances that your baby actually has the disease is 95%. Hmm. So for a screening test, it's really, really good. Mm-hmm. Yeah. If it comes back negative, the chances that your baby does not have Down syndrome is 999 percent So okay. it's it is very accurate. Right. It's then great. When you get for trisomy 18, so three copies of chromosome 18 or three copies of chromosome 13. Those numbers drop down into the upper 80s, lower 90s, depending on which test you use. And then the other thing it looks at is the sex chromosomes. Mm
0: -hmm.
1: Um, The telling you the sex is accurate. However, if there's something abnormal with the sex chromosomes, so like let's say it comes back saying that there's an extra X chromosome or an extra Y chromosome or something like that, those are not quite as accurate. more at like 60% accuracy with those, but those also typically are not, it's not a fatal diagnosis. Mm -hmm. There's not birth defects associated with most of those. Right. I think people don't worry about those quite as much. Interesting. So if that test comes back up normal, that's when we would recommend one of those diagnostic testing to confirm that diagnosis.
2: Sure, okay.
1: But not everybody opts to confirm it.
2: Right. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. It's amazing how with your first baby or you're, you're just so uh, naive to all this. And then <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> if you're young and healthy and <laughs> yeah, it's so true.
1: Well, and I think that's another thing that people don't think about. So we talk all the time about how, okay, you turned 35, your risk for down syndrome is really high now. And you know, that's when a lot of OBs start to really push, you know, really, we should do some genetic screening, we should screen for Down syndrome, all this kind of stuff. Um, in my clinic, I push it on, you know, I don't push it, I offer it mm-hmm. to everybody. Right. Because when you look at it, the large majority of women that have a baby with Down syndrome are actually under the age of 35. Mm-hmm. Because more women under the age of 35 are having babies.
0: Right. That makes sense. Yeah. So
1: even though your individual risk is less, when you look at the general population, the majority mm-hmm. of people that have a baby with Down syndrome are, in fact, less than thirty-five years old.
0: Yeah, it's all perspective. Yes, and numbers and yeah, yeah. So
1: just because you're twenty, you're twenty-one, doesn't mean that your risk is zero.
0: True. Yeah. Interesting. Okay, Doctor Parrott, this has been wonderful. Thank you so much for all the information. And we will link to where our listeners um, can find you. And thank you so much for your time and your expertise and for caring, caring for moms of Kansas City. You're welcome. Have a good day. You too. Thank you again for spending part of your day with us. We would love for you to share this podcast with other Kansas City moms, as well as rate and review, as this helps others find us. We would also love to hear from you, whether it's to share what you loved about today's episode, an idea for a future topic, or just to tell us how you're doing. We are here for you. You can email us anytime at kcncpodcast at gmail.com. See you next time on another episode of Kansas City Momcast.